I was um, up in Canada, like quarantining already, and they were still passing my mom, and it just hit me. I was like, oh, my mom should play my mom. It's time. Why not do this now? This is such rich material. I could really have a have a interesting, complex relationship with her. We were both just really excited to be able to tell this story and to do it together was uh, a once-in-a-lifetime experience for sure. You're listening to Skip Intro with me, Krista Smith. If you didn't learn about Margaret Qualley from her work on TV shows and films like The Leftovers, Strange But True, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Fosse Verdon, she might have caught your attention this past fall in Made, the Netflix limited series that was watched by over 67 million accounts in the first month of its release. Margaret plays Alex, a young mother struggling to overcome poverty and homelessness after escaping from an abusive relationship. Margaret is here with me to talk about her work on the series and catch me up on all she's been doing since. Well, it's great to see you, Margaret. I'm very happy to be here and I'm happy to talk to you again. I was looking at your resume, having watched Made, and I was just like, God, you just, first of all, congratulations, great performance, amazing, over 10 episodes. It's just, I was so impressed by what you were able to do with that part of of Alex. And it made me think about, oh my God, you're so young and you have had all of these, you know, from the leftovers, you know, so much stuff that that I've actually seen because, as you know, I love those little smaller independent movies as well as the big action ones and obviously the world got to know you really with with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and it's like oh my god who is this girl and I'm like oh yeah people settle down she's been around for a while (laughs) even though she's only 26 um but it is very, very impressive. So I just want to say that at the at the top of this show, that I am very impressed with what you've been able to do and the choices and whatever you're going to do in the future. I cannot wait. I am going to have a front row seat. That means the world to me. Thank you. How are you doing so far? Like this has been obviously very exciting. The huge response to to made with the SAG and the Critics' Choice. I mean, are you at all kind of taken aback by the fact I'm that so this shocked. series hit? I am so shocked. I mean, like, I thought best case scenario. I mean, yeah, I, I just, I, I just really didn't see this coming at all. It, just given the subject matter and how sad it is, and it's a lot of it's ten episodes of pretty grueling stuff. I just didn't anticipate people wanting to sit through that. Um, and I think it's at once like so incredibly exciting for me and also just a testament to the fact that the topics that we're talking about are incredibly prevalent and something that unfortunately so many women can relate to and also so many men via you know their sisters mothers girlfriends past experience anything like that it's been so rewarding to be a part of something that assumed like actually made some kind of difference in people's lives that's like crazy for me and and really powerful so i feel very lucky i heard from so many of my friends about this show it became one of those have you seen made have you been watching made oh my god it's so good and all that stuff so i kind of want to take you back to the beginning of it what was your relationship to the book to stephanie land's book which is um made hard work low pay and a mother's will to survive had you read it or how did it come across I read the script first, so just normal. I had a, you know, 
I got scripts and I had to audition and the whole thing. And, uh, but before I auditioned, I burned through the book. It's one of those that once you sit down, it's hard to close it. And Stephanie's account is at once incredibly upsetting and inspiring. And, you know, I wanted this part really bad. <laughs> like, I was like, this would be a huge opportunity for me to really sink my teeth into something and give my heart to something. Yeah, I, you know, worked really hard to try to get it. And then I was so happy to be able to do it. Yeah. So what kind of prep do you do for this as, as an actor for this kind of role? I mean, obviously you're playing the same age, so there's not any of that, but, yeah. but it's, it's, it's something very different at the same time. I feel like the way that I end up prepping is like, like I, I really, I, I have no, I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, <laughs> I have just no idea ever. And I'm never doing the same thing for the prep, but I'm always just trying to figure it out. But in it really, it kind of works. Like I'm just like looking for all the things that could go wrong all the time, like flight traffic control. Like how could, what about the, me playing this could go wrong? Like, do, would you not believe that I'm uh, her mother or would you not believe would you, would I seem like I feel sorry for myself or like, you know, any of these kinds of things that could be just bad for the show. (laughs) So like the first one I mentioned was, was being a convincing mother. And that seemed like the pretty much the hugest obstacle at hand because usually, you know, you're signing up to work with another actor and you both have like come to an agreement on what your relationship is going to be like on screen. And you just like, do it, you know, in the case of, you know, working with a four-year-old, I can't be like, so I'm your mom. It'd be great if you could just like hold me, like I'm your mom, you know, (laughs) just like rest your head here, be super chill and relaxed Then say this at this time, they're going to walk in, you're, you know, and so I had to really earn her trust and make her feel safe and comfortable. And like, I was her advocate and make her feel close enough to me so that she really could fall asleep in my arms. And so that she could really, you know, you know, cry with me, laugh with me, all the things. And I'm really lucky because Riley from, from the beginning, I did feel like I had permission with her, you know, like she put her arms around me and, and I felt like, okay, like she's really, she's really holding me and I, I can really hold her and she's down for this. I just hung out with her all the time. Like I just hung out with her all the time. And because it's a scary thing for a four-year-old to be on a set with so many strangers, you know, and weird hours and weird places and she would get freaked out. And so I would just, instead of like making it a thing of, passing her back and forth to me and her mom and going through that whole exchange. It's a lot of pressure for a little kid. I would just hold her all the time and eat lunch with her and hang out with her and run the scene with her and just try to make it feel like it was never any different when we were off camera to when we were on camera and hang out every weekend for nine months. Wow. She had to spend well, that- a lot of time with me. <laughs> well, they always. I would also like end up bribing her. Like, I'd be like, I'll get you ice cream. For, like, you know, it's like 11 p.m. when you're like, can't get her to say something. And so then on, on the Sundays, I would do all the bribes that I'd done throughout the week. <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, there is that cardinal rule in Hollywood never work with dogs or children. Mm-hmm. It's one of the hardest yeah, things. I learned my lesson. <laughs> but it paid off. But it was also so great. And like, and, and also really just really comforting, like you're away from home and you're working long hours and sometimes you're lonely out there and you're, you know, ins- I'm insecure about my performance or just about being a human and having a little kid to just hold was great. What's your relationship like now? When I think about nine months, that's a lot of time. I'm a mom. I have two kids. Yeah. That is a lot of you put in 
serious time, and especially with a little person. Moms um, were the audience I was the most scared of watching this show, but it also seems like they are the ones that like it the most. So that's like means the world to me because I was like, if I can just make the moms think I'm okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Definitely. But our relationship now, we're still in touch. We talk all the time, actually. We're in touch. I say like she's like an adult, but I'm, you know, through her mom, Sarah, who's just great. We FaceTime and send each other letters and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things that struck me, it's when you're waiting at the corner and you bring that little desk and you sit there yeah. and you just start making all the calls and all the other moms are kind of preoccupied and in their own zone. And then they slowly start to see the reality of what's happening. And that kind of is is a metaphor for me when I was watching this, like looking at how hard all yeah. of this stuff is and the complication and that one, one you know, the social workers like, look, the, the assistance is great. It's just the government and there's so much red tape and the yeah. red tape that goes along with it and just like getting through all of that. I mean, that was such an eye opener for me about what it actually means to live below the poverty line and to need this assistance. I mean, it's just crazy. Well, there's just no time. There's just no time to do anything for Alex. You know, she's got to be the best mom she can be. And she's got to somehow, you know, pay the for her kid's life and her life. And then also to try to navigate the system, both, uh, you know, as a person dealing with poverty and also domestic violence. It's so incredibly complicated. And to have the time to try to figure that out, I mean, it's it's just like basically impossible. Here's a clip from Made for our listeners. I'm sorry, is there anything else that you could actually do for us here, please? Honestly, without a job, I can't do squat. Okay, um, I just, I can't get a job if I can't afford daycare. Well, we have access to subsidized daycare grants once you have a job. I need a job to prove that I need daycare in order to get a job? What kind of fuckery is that? The crazy thing is just that despite the fact that Stephanie Land went through all of this and is, you know, had so many obstacles put her her way. She's still incredibly lucky, you know, <laughs> like because a lot of people don't survive it and don't get through it. And I think that it's, you know, had Stephanie been a person of color, the chances of her ending up in the place where she is today are incredibly slim just because it would have been one more hoop to jump through or one more door shut in her face. And um, I'm so incredibly lucky and it's just so... a upsetting that so many people are having to deal with this every single day of their lives. In the case of Alex, it took so much for her to just be in a place where she had the privilege to do her one thing. And her one thing was writing, right? Like the one thing that she was doing for herself, which is also her her passion and her purpose on this, on this planet. But just to be able to like, so much of her time is just spent treading water. And that's the case for so many people here. And that's not okay. Like, everyone should be able to have their one thing. What the series I thought was extraordinary at, too, was amplifying the the supporting characters like Regina. You really got a full sense yeah. of her and Yolanda. I mean, yeah. the, the rage coming from Yolanda was amazing. Who And for our listeners, if 
you're going to have to go watch the series. That's all I'm going to say. But Yolanda is the person <laughs> that runs the the maid service that you work for, and yeah. her understanding right. of what human you know what the interactions mean to her, and then we see that yeah. play out. But how those cracks form, and no one is one thing. There's no real stereotypes yeah. here. Everyone, right. you know, Alex makes some bad decisions that I wish she didn't make when I was watching right. the series. As does yeah. Nick Robinson, who plays your ex boyfriend in the show, Sean. He's not entirely a monster. You know, you see the sides totally. of why he is where he is. And I think that's what's so effective about it. And and also just your own talent that you bring to it really shows that. And one interesting fact we have to talk about is your mom also, right. of course. So I am of the age that have, I mean, please, Groundhog Day, four weddings and a funeral, you know, green card, all that stuff. I remember being at Vanity Fair as an assistant when she was on the cover and all that stuff. I do think it's a neat added layer to this, obviously, and very believable that that would be your mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was one obstacle I didn't have, <laughs> which was intentional. I was like, <laughs> well, how would that what would make my life easier? Huh? <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm so lucky I got to work with my mom on this. I am. Um, I've always wanted to work with her. And this show happened you know, it was one of the first things to come back in the pandemic. And I feel like one lesson I learned during that whole process was just that like everything's changing all the time and you should go ahead and do the things that you want to do. And one of the things I wanted to do was work with my mom and this project came my way and I got so lucky to be able to do it. And then I was um, up in Canada, like quarantining already and they were still passing my mom and it just hit me. I was like, Oh, my mom should play my mom. It's time. Why not do this now? This is such rich material. I could really have a have a interesting, complex relationship with her in this show. And and so I called Margot Robbie because I somehow have her contact. <laughs> and she's great and pitched her the idea. She, she was so excited. And it just it was such a special experience for me to be mm-hmm. able to work with her and to put so much of my heart into something. And for, you know, and same same with my mom. She was really excited about the part too. We were both just really excited to be able to tell this story and to do it together was uh, a once in a lifetime experience for sure. Mm-hmm. I should tell my listeners that Margot Robbie, yes, is indeed Margot Robbie. And she is an executive producer. Her company, Lucky Chap, produced this series. Yes. This is a great, deep, character study. How amazing is she in this show? And she is fantastic in the show. And the both of you, your scenes were incredible. Here's a clip from Made for our listeners. I'm going to college. Oh. (laughs) Wow. Can you afford that? No. (laughs) Uh, no, I can't, but I, uh, I took out a student loan. I'm still going to be cleaning houses whenever I'm not at school, and I got family housing, and then I found a daycare program from Maddie, so. <laughs> Just like that. Out of Dodge. <laughs> what do you think? God, I, I just couldn't be prouder. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> hey, uh, I get credit for teaching you how to bend towards the light, huh? I get bragging rights, okay? I get bragging rights. Thanks, Mom. 
Hey, hey, everybody. My daughter's okay, going mom. to college. Okay, <laughs> I imagine that obviously you're still mom and daughter, and there's there's so much that you know there's so much that you just bring to it organically and naturally, right? But but what did you learn about it? about each other during this process or you as an actor, fellow actor to actor about her that kind of surprised you? That's a good question. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, it was not my first time seeing my mom on set. Like I grew up visiting her. And so I kind of, I've, I've seen her there, you know, it wasn't like a shocking environment to have my mother and she'd never been on a set where I was working. So maybe it's a good, you should ask her really, you should ask her what, what, uh, what she, (laughs) what she thinks about me, (laughs) mom. (laughs) Um, but I mean, the, the greatest gift, of course, is just like walking in the room and saying mom and having it be your mom, you know, like in the same way that I was talking about Riley and the permission that you have to get from someone there's no one I'm more comfortable touching like a mother than my own mother. So that was really so, so nice. And, you know, also there's those things that unfortunately, you know, daughters have their built in eye roll when their mother does something embarrassing or whatever that is. It comes. It's very second nature. It's all programmed into me. I mean, she was just the greatest acting partner I could ever ask for. I mean, she goes 100% every time, and it was just awesome. I just, like, I, I learned so much from watching her. I learned so much from everybody I work with, but to be able to learn from my mom at the thing that I love doing the most is is pretty extraordinary. Yeah, that's going to be so special for you to have that. I mean, it is so special that you have it, and as you, yeah. you know— get older in life you look at that and you have that moment together is is really great and she is terrific in it and some of those scenes are so heart-wrenching and so so important about dealing with someone that you can't help and you're desperate to help them and that's like this that's why I think people have gravitated to this series because there's something in there it just shows such real life all right well I want to take you a little bit back to the beginning and I know some of this stuff already because well it's kind of known in the world but you you started out, grew up in North Carolina, and you somehow discovered dance. Now, mm-hmm. obviously, your mother was acting, and and both your parents were models. I remember the, yeah. you know, early on. I remember it being like a, a thing, and the kids and Montana, yeah. and all of that. But yeah. what made you? What was it that planted the seed of dance, and specifically ballet, mm-hmm. for you at such a young age? Well. I think I just did it since forever. Like I did it. I was one of those like two year olds in some quasi form of dance class. And my sister was a dancer and I wanted to be just like my sister because she's the coolest person ever. She still is. And, um, and then, you know, and then I also just loved it. Like I, I always loved it and I would always go straight from school to dance. And I was lucky enough to spend, you know, five to six hours a day there every day. Like, so I, it was my whole life. I think, honestly, the reason why I did ballet is just because, you know, I grew up in North Carolina and I was doing kind of like competition style dancing and, and ballet was like um, more prestigious and like uh, it seemed harder, like a career path. It seemed like the epitome of perfection. And I was one of the teenage girls plagued with the idea that I should probably be perfect. So I went off to ballet school and was going to make my life that. And I got a little job as an apprentice, like an apprenticeship when I was 16. I was like going to drop out of high school and go do that. And then I realized that I was just wanting to be perfect. And so I decided not to do that because 
I know I never will be. Um, <laughs> well, that's a pretty big thing. I mean, <laughs> um, and we then still I try. We where, still like, try. I don't have to be perfect. Yeah. You skip some stuff in there, which is great, which is really what I love is this is just so perfect because last season I talked all about fear because it was something mm-hmm. that I was experiencing and yeah. what that meant for you know everyone I was talking to. I was like, well, if I'm thinking about it, I want to talk to my, you know, other people about it. Yeah. And it's, it's so perfect that... This is just teed up beautifully because my theme this season is ambition. And what is our relationship to ambition? And what does it look like, obviously, coming out of such a life-altering experience as that we've collectively come out of? And what does it mean in the industry and all of that stuff? So I will say that to go from North Carolina to ballerina to like New York City ballerina, that takes a lot of hustle and a lot of discipline and ambition to be able to do that and a lot of perfect weirdly acting is actually like a lot less pressure because all the things that those imperfect things are actually the most rewarding bit, you know, um, it's what makes people lovable (laughs) and and human and relatable. And so like the more imperfect that you can be, like the more messy in yourself and, um, and just like the more okay you can be with that, the better off. So I I feel like, you know, I'm certainly not there. I'm, I'm, I, I like, I've, I've got to keep working to be happy with, to be okay with it all. But I think that, that acting is such a great medium for me to to be trying to figure that out with. Nick, you know, who plays Sean, right? He had said, I'd read an interview that he, that he talked about working with you and just loving your spontaneity and love it. You're so That's present. Great. And I remember, and also in reading this, just taking you down memory lane a little bit, even though it's not honestly <laughs> that long ago, you got, you went to an improv class in New York and that was the thing that kind of changed yeah. your trajectory completely. Yeah, my first boyfriend brought me to an improv class because, you know, given that my mom was an actor, I think people are reluctant to um, follow in the footsteps of their parents. But he brought me there. So I could, like, I was like, well, you know, it's not my mom telling me to do it. It's another, it's another person. <laughs> <laughs> and, good note. Um, good note. I got to yeah. remember that. <laughs> so tell the boyfriend to tell the yeah, kid yeah, whatever yeah. you want them to do. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> And I had just the best time. Um, I just, I felt like it's real magic, you know, like I, I love my job. I, I love playing and I love really just a game to me, you know, and, uh, and I'm like getting to play this game that like game of storytelling. Yeah. It's, it's completely fun. (laughs) I started the interview talking to you about like all the work that you have done since you, I think it was Palo Alto or something when you were first small role in such a short amount of time and really acclaimed series and films and always standing out, always someone, you know, no matter how small or where you you are in the film. Your film knowledge is is astounding. I mean, truly. (laughs) I need to just come over and just ask you questions all day long. Uh, But how, how do you feel now about what you want to do? And, and getting back to that ambition thing, I always feel like ambition was such a, yeah. a, a, a word that was was weaponized, and especially with women, for sure. I mean, yeah. I felt that in my own career. And now I feel like, well, no, we're taking the word ambition back. Like, yes, of course I'm ambitious. Sure. We all should be ambitious. How do you look at this now for you? Like, what are you seeking out for yourself as an artist at this point? I, I guess I just want to, like... I, I, yeah, I I, I want to keep 
putting my heart into things. I want to keep pushing myself. I want to keep occupying spaces I've never occupied before and exploring and becoming a bigger and bigger version of myself. You know, just like I want to, I think something that I learned through the experience of doing Maid and, um, and playing Alex was kind of just like that we're somehow made to feel like, you know, standing up for yourself or being like a, being big is bad, you know? And uh, I think specifically as women we're often made to feel that way. And I think that, 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 that actually that's really great. <laughs> so trying to do it. <laughs> yeah. Trying to like be my biggest self and, and love the most and uh, take up all the space and not apologize for any of it and do that via my work. Mm, I'm down for that. I'm also down. I love the dancing. I love the way you work in some dancing too, that your first passion is, is in there. You know, I think about the Kenzo. Oh, yeah. and, and I will say like when I'm not work, you know, trying to be perfect and, and I'm dancing, it's just the best. I think everyone should be dancing all the time or at least, you know, some part of the day every day, because it's like, um, it, it's just a great way to, to, to feel good and alive. Yeah. I should be dancing more. <laughs> do you know anybody that you came up with that went on to have a career as a dancer? I do a couple of people, but it's, it's, that's, it's another reason why I think, you know, it's funny. Most people, when they're told, tell, you know, tell their parents that they want to be actors, both my mom and my dad probably were like, well, it's easier than what you're trying to do now, you know, because the dancer life is just so hard in every single way. And it's not even that financially rewarding. Like even if you are in the like 1% that makes it as a ballerina. Right. And you're still in New York, right? Based in, and you just love the city. Is it coming back? What is it like there now? Full disclosure, I'm in Los Angeles at this moment, but I am living in New York. It's coming back. I think people are pretty excited. I mean, New York's just the best. I fell in love with New York when I was 16 and it was the first place that I was able to, you know, call home that wasn't in North Carolina. And I feel so privileged to be able to call it my home. And yeah, <laughs> it's also like that funny thing too. Now where I guess, you know, I'm experiencing this like as a, as a person that's lived in New York for 10 years now, or as a person that's been acting for 10 years now where I uh, like, it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm no longer like completely new kid on the block. I still don't know what I'm doing in any way, shape or form as far as just being a human or being an actor or any of that. But um, it's a funny experience now, like having 10 years. It's like, it's exciting. I feel uh, like I should be celebrating that I've been able to do the thing I love for, for 10 years. You should be celebrating that. And and don't change. Don't know too much. I think that's part of your magic. I, is stay open. I don't think it's an option for me. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see you do a physical comedy. So I'm just going to put it out oh there my God. in the ether. Please. Thank you so much for saying that out loud. That would just mean the world to me. I, I would love, love, love to do that. I think people just think of me as being sad and um, <laughs> or crazy. Like the sad, crazy parts are always coming my way. But nobody thinks I'm like sweet or funny. So thank you for saying yes. <laughs> no, I want to see that physical comedy like a like a, a little stumble yeah. and a thing and the timing Please. and all of it all right i'm Can putting it out there on a style? that would be so fun yes, yes. i'm putting it out there Thank right you. now from, from yeah i'm putting it out there with you hollywood echoing uh, echoing out in the you hear guys chris said it first all right well so my last question is what what advice do you have and obviously you've been out of 10 years you are young in in, in the grand scheme of things but you're not in terms of this business and what advice would you have even even for those striving for perfection like you said you know that experience in that that space very well for for the younger women in particular or you know young artists like trying to 
to find their way? Well, I'm so lucky because I've been able to work with so many great actors that I just kind of, I'm just always like trying to be a sponge and soak up everything that they're doing. And, and, you know, there's little tiny, like realistic tidbits that, I mean, like, you know, kind of just like literal, like do this kind of things that I've experienced as far as like, I remember my, my first kind of real part in a movie was in nice guys. And I remember being, I was doing some monologue sitting on the bed and I hit my head against the bed backboard thing. And Russell Crowe was like, that was the best part of the scene. Like, you you know, always make the mistakes, that kind of thing. So there's like that where it's like literally kind of seek out the opportunity to make a fool of yourself if you can. And then there's also just the thing of like, as far as like getting the job, it's just like believing in yourself, even when it seems crazy. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you know, uh, there's, I, I feel like there's been so many times when there, in my mind, seem to be so many people that would make more sense for a job, but I just have to be like, you have to just believe in yourself like a, like a crazy person and be like, come on, just let me put my heart into something. Great. It's great to see you. I can't wait to see what you do next. Thanks for taking the time, Margaret. It's been awesome to kind of catch up and and learn a little bit more. And I love this. And I will see you again, I'm sure. Right. We'll see you again. I hope really soon because I, I miss seeing you in person. And yeah, you're just the greatest. Thanks for chatting with me. It's always like so... It's just so, it's so nice to talk with you. I always walk away feeling really good after, after talking to you. So thank you. Made is streaming now on Netflix. Thanks so much for joining me. I'm Krista Smith, your host and creator of the show. Skip Intro is produced and edited by Isabella Riccio and engineered by Dave Corwin. Special thanks to our coordinator, Alyssa Hillman. Please subscribe, rate, and review Skip Intro wherever you've been listening. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Krista Smith. Thanks for listening and see you next time.